You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. It's 11 o'clock at night. It's dark. You're sitting in front of the mirror getting ready for bed. There's nobody else in the house. You see something move in the corner of your eye. You glance to your right, but you don't see anything. Another minute goes by, and you think you see movement again. So you slowly turn to your left, but again, the room is empty. You turn back around, and staring you face to face in the mirror is a cat. You jump back, because you don't have a cat, and there's no cat in the room. But there he is, staring at you in the mirror. Welcome to Paranormal Pets, where you can always expect the unexpected. Each week, we'll discuss all aspects of weird or spiritual animal encounters, ghosts, totems, psychic animals, animal souls, animal angels, and animals in religion, with a little cryptozoology thrown in. Now, step into the supernatural world of pets with your Paranormal Pets ghostly host, our ghost host. Hello, and welcome to Paranormal Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. I am your host, Brandy Stark. Welcome to 2010 as well. I apologize for the lateness of our first episode of the new year, but uh, unfortunately we've had a a series of events, including uh, flu and hospitalization, that have kind of delayed us a little bit, but we are definitely back and uh, delighted to be here. Tonight's episode is going to be rather unique. We are looking at a Spirits of St. Petersburg investigation that actually does involve animals and sensitivity. We're very excited for this, and the homeowners have agreed to an interview, so We will be actually featuring them uh, shortly. In the meantime, I just wanted to go over a couple of things that we have coming up for this year. We do have another episode. In fact, it'll take place next month in which we are taking Odyssey, the paranormal pug, and his younger brother, Odysseus, into the paranormal field. We actually have a couple of long-term cases that we have been checking back with repeatedly, and one of them is pet-friendly. We have checked the house before. I'm always very mindful of Odyssey and Odysseus and their safety. And um, essentially, the house is safe. The homeowners are safe. Any haunting activity is uh, on this side of friendly, which is good. And uh, Odyssey and Odysseus seem to enjoy getting out. Actually, this will be Odysseus's first time at this particular location, but Odyssey has served as a spirits consultant on this case before. We are also hoping to follow up with the Gulfport Ghost Cat, actually going out into the field and doing an urban legend investigation. We do have an interview set up with a wonderful author who is going to discuss haunted dog stories of the South. And uh, we also have an animal communicator who will be back with us to talk to some participants and volunteers and see if she can communicate with their deceased animals. So we have all this and more coming up, and I hope that uh, it'll be an exciting year for everybody involved. But what we need to do first is make sure that we can finance this year, so we're actually going to pause for these commercial messages. Now, time for something really scary. A word from our sponsors. Paranormal pets will reappear before you can say Bigfoot. Don't run away. This valuable information comes from your pet. 
There's nothing like a wagging tail or friendly paw to lift your mood. They're therapeutic and make us feel good. Studies show pets even reduce stress, prevent heart disease, lower blood pressure, and fight depression. So there you have it. Pets are a daily dose of good health and happiness. Pets add life. To learn more, visit petsaddlife.org. It's time for school for you and your friends, your furry best friends. Train your dog the fun and easy way with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Teacher's Pet host Pia Silvani teaches you step-by-step how to train your dog the fun and easy way. You get eight 30-minute live audio training sessions, complete transcripts of each session, plus a basic training manual to get you and your dog off to a great start. Training begins the moment you bring your dog home. Teacher's Pet Sessions offers positive reinforcement training to shape your dog's behavior and encourages upbeat, enthusiastic responses to ensure that your dog will enjoy learning. Teacher's Pet Sessions dog training is fun at both ends of the leash. So listen, learn, and laugh with your dog with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Get your copy of Teacher's Pet Sessions Volume 1 today. To order, go to teacherspetsessions.com. Hi, this is Pia Silvani, your host. Bring your dog, tug toy, and treats, and get ready to have some fun. Teacherspetsessions.com. Hello! I'm Deborah Wolf, and I'm inviting you to my animal party on Pet Life Radio. The dress code? Come as you are. Pajamas, a tux, you can even go naked like your pets. Unleash your party animal at my animal party. Guests you know from Animal Planet, TV, radio, the news, and bookstores will be joining me. And that's because after I won Best Pet Radio in America from the DWAA, I got my paw in the door and I met a lot of amazing people. And the best of the best are going to be coming to the party. They're coming to party with us. So join us at the animal party. Don't miss the party. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Did you hear that? Our commercials have mysteriously disappeared. Paranormal Pets is back with our haunted host, our ghost host. And welcome back to Paranormal Pets. Our next little segment is actually going to feature an article that I found online and discusses dolphins and intelligence. And I think this will tie in nicely with our investigation and results from earlier tonight. So here we go. Today's article comes from Ellen, who is a ghost enthusiast and animal lover. This is taken from the www.timesonline.co.uk site, and this was published on January 3rd, 2010. Jonathan Leake is the primary reporter, and there is secondary information and reporting by Helen Brooks. I find this article to be quite fascinating because it gives us a little bit more to go on, not only with animal intelligence, but also animal self-awareness, which in the paranormal world might indicate awareness of an afterlife and potential ability uh, for self-consciousness to the extent of animals producing ghosts. The title of the article is, Scientists Say Dolphins Should Be Treated as Non-Human Persons. 
Dolphins have been declared the world's second most intelligent creatures after humans, with scientists suggesting that they are so bright that they should be treated as non-human persons. Studies into dolphin behavior have highlighted how similar their communications are to those of humans and how they are brighter than chimpanzees. These have been backed up by anatomical research showing that dolphin brains have many key features associated with high intelligence. The researchers argue that their work shows it is morally unacceptable to keep such intelligent animals in amusement parks or to kill them for food or by accident when fishing. Some 300,000 whales, dolphins, and porpoises die in this way each year. Many dolphin brains are larger than our own and second in mass only to the human brain. When corrected for body size, said Lori Marino, a zoologist at Emory University in Atlanta, Georgia, who has used magnetic resonance imaging scans to map the brains of dolphin species and compare them with those of primates, the neuroanatomy suggests psychological continuity between humans and dolphins and has profound implications for the ethics of human-dolphin interactions. She added. Dolphins have long been recognized as among the most intelligent of animals, but many researchers have placed them below chimps, which some studies have found can reach the intelligent levels of three-year-old children. Recently, however, a series of behavioral studies has suggested that dolphins, especially species such as the bottlenose, could be the brighter of the two. The studies show how dolphins have distinct personalities, a strong sense of self, and can think about the future. It has also become clear that they are cultural animals, meaning that new types of behavior can quickly be picked up by one dolphin from another. In one study, Diana Reese, professor of psychology at Hunter College, City University of New York, showed that bottlenose dolphins could recognize themselves in a mirror and use it to inspect various parts of their bodies—an ability that has been thought limited to humans and great apes. In another, she found that captive animals also had the ability to learn a rudimentary, symbol-based language. Other research has shown dolphins can solve difficult problems, while those living in the wild cooperate in ways that imply complex social structures and a high level of emotional sophistication. In one recent case, a dolphin rescued from the wild was taught to tail walk while recuperating for three weeks in a dolphinarium in Australia. After she was released, scientists were astonished to see the trick spreading among wild dolphins who had learned it from their former captive. There are many similar examples, such as the way dolphins living off Western Australia learned to hold sponges over their snouts to protect themselves while searching for spiny fish on the ocean floor. Such observations, along with other showings, for example, how dolphins can cooperate with military precision to round up shoals of fish to eat, have prompted questions about the brain structures of, that must underlie them. Size is only one factor. Researchers have found that the brain size varies hugely, from around seven ounces for smaller species such as the Ganges River dolphin to more than 19 pounds for sperm whales, whose brains are the largest on the planet. Human brains, by contrast, range from two to four pounds, while a chimp's brain is about 12 ounces. When it comes to intelligence, however, brain size is less important than its size relative to the body. What Marino and her colleagues found was that the cerebral cortex and neocortex of bottlenose dolphins were so large that the anatomical ratios that assess cognitive capacity place it second only to that of the human brain. They also found the brain cortex as, of dolphins, such as the bottlenose, had the same convoluted folds that are strongly linked with. Human intelligence. Such folds increase the volume of the cortex and the ability of the brain cells to interconnect with one another. Despite evolving along different neuroanatomical trajectory to humans, dolphin brains have several features that are correlated with complex intelligence. Marino said. Marino and Rice will present their findings at a conference in San Diego, California, next month, concluding. 
that the new evidence about dolphin intelligence makes it morally repugnant to mistreat them. Thomas White, professor of ethics at Loyola Marymount University in Los Angeles, who has written a series of academic studies suggesting dolphins should have rights, will speak at the same conference. The scientific research suggests that dolphins are non-human persons who qualify for moral standings as individuals, he said. So I suggest that we uh, continue to kind of keep an eye out on some of these studies for animal intelligence. Personally, I've always thought that the West was a little bit further behind on this. I think that animals are quite intelligent, and humans tend to be a little self-centered and egocentric when we think that we're the only creatures here with higher levels of thinking. I'm going to be very curious to see where this research goes, if they will ever determine things like animal awareness of abstract ideologies, which would include art and religion. And again, if dolphins can think of the future, can they think of their immortality as humans can? It's a fascinating endeavor and uh, very, very exciting research. All right, and now we are up to our feature discussion, uh, which is actually on an active spirit of St. Petersburg investigation in which we actually have some animals involved. This particular investigation is called Fist Street. Uh, if you want to go to the Spirits website, it's www.spiritsofstpetersburg.com, and that's S-P-I-R-I-T-S-O-F-S-T-P-E-T-E-R-S-B-U-R-G.com. And in fact, uh, we're getting ready to update the site fairly soon. We first started going to this case in 2006, actually, according to the website. We are very good about documenting things, and our initial investigation was because the homeowners had a relative who had died in the house, and they had some activity, which included uh, disappearing objects, sensations of cold spots, the feelings of being watched, some energy drainage, as I recall, people kind of feeling a bit more fatigued than usual. So uh, we went out and we did investigate. Now, the interesting thing is that as early as 2006, one of the reported phenomena for the case was that they had a little Sheltie by the name of Shelby, who was usually very quiet and very reserved, but who would start actually acting out, who would begin barking at nothing and appear to be following or chasing something through the rooms. And so uh, I did note that in our initial reports. In subsequent visits, and we did do visits in 2007 and 2008, in 2007, I believe, actually I have to look at the reports, in one of those two years, actually, we did see uh, Shelby respond to something in the room, and the homeowner had also taken the time to record for us a little bit of Shelby's acting out. And indeed, in the video, he actually did appear to be quite agitated, and he was chasing something that we could not see. And having met this little Shelty on four separate occasions, I can tell you that he was a very, very calm dog. So... For 2010, as we were starting the new year, we thought that it might be a good time to check into some older cases and, uh, you know, to continue this long-running trend of investigations. Unfortunately, in today's field, it seems that long-running investigations are are not always considered to be uh, savvy. You know, people go in, they investigate a spot, and they leave. And quite frankly, you do need those long-running cases. The more commonalities and the more behaviors that you can recognize, the better. 
The other interesting thing is that the Spirits of St. Petersburg have brought out a variety of teams. We've had different members over the years. We've had people come and go, and we've had different team makeups. And, and each time we go out there, it seems that there are a few hot spots that are continuously picked up on. Now, the interesting thing is that Spirits of St. Petersburg members do not know what location they're going to see. They basically get a crossroads and nothing further until a couple of hours before the investigation, at which point we do send out directions. So it's very difficult to do research or any form of in-depth research, particularly ghostly activity research, on a home. Uh, Normally you have to have an archivist, and in fact we do. We have a a historian and an archivist uh, who actually goes into the special collections and has found different ways of researching properties. So We actually set this up in such a manner that even on recheck investigations, which is what this one is, members don't either read the reports or they don't know it's a recheck. There were only two members on this particular investigation that had been to the property before, and we had four people who had never been there. And in fact, they did not know that this was really a new recheck. So we try to keep things as neutral as possible. Uh, In fact, our procedure is that I sit with the homeowners so that I am not tipping anyone off. And our other senior member actually did lead the rest of the people through the house because of her familiarity with it. However, uh, the house actually was very, very quiet. The dogs were kept in the garage. The homeowners actually decided to leave the house and stay in the garage as well. They were on the property but not in the house proper. And the house had windows and doors closed. The air conditioning was off, and that made listening in the house very, very viable. So I'm actually able to monitor this team to a certain degree simply by listening, and at no point was any historical information discussed. Once the team actually walks through the house once, we come back together and everybody reports their findings. And in fact, the senior member that had gone through the first time chose to go last so that she would not influence the reports of the new people. At the very end, we decide on areas to investigate. Now, what I find very interesting is, again, similar areas continue to come up. One is the guest room. For whatever reason, there is either perhaps a vortex or uh, perhaps a presence that does stay in that room. Uh, Usually it's the closet area, but there is something about the guest room that is rather unusual. There's almost always a sensation in the hallway leading towards the master bedroom, which is across from the guest room. Other areas include the living room, which has a media room connected directly to it, and uh, also a computer room. So on this particular investigation, again, the new folks really led it for us. The areas of activity appeared to be the guest bedroom, the living room, and some activity in the kitchen slash computer room. So we really did focus our attention on those areas. Now, at this point, uh, there's still no information and no history discussed on the house. Just as an FYI for our listeners, uh, the house is actually a fairly old one. Uh, It was built in the 1920s in Florida. It turns out that the home was 
possibly the rumor is that it was a neighborhood. There was a neighborhood there, sparsely populated, not many properties, because you have to remember that the state of Florida was not very heavily populated until the 1950s. And actually, the 50s really brought the first wave. It was the 1970s with the advent of mass-produced air conditioning that really made Florida a viable state to live in. My grandmother actually grew up here, and the stories you should hear her tell about the heat and the humidity pre-AC. It must have been really something to behold. So what ended up happening was uh, in the 1920s, Florida was a seasonal state. 1920 to about 1970, uh, even the hotels in this area would really only open for the winter uh, and fall months. So the neighborhood, it was said, ended up being a winter home for some northern residents, particularly the Dutch. I guess uh, folks of Dutch descent would actually come down from up north and stay in this area, in, in these houses, in this kind of sparsely populated neighborhood for the winter. Now, what gets to be more unique is that the homeowners actually did say that during a yard sale that they were hosting, they had a, a series of people come up and ask them if they knew the history of their house. And when they said no, the oral history of the house is that it essentially was owned by a man who must have been pretty well connected, and that the home and perhaps adjacent properties, we are currently researching this, was occupied by very famous winter residents, such as Groucho Marx and Greta Gable, um, you know, just kind of the, the movie stars of the time. Now, historically speaking, this would fit in somewhat with the Florida history. At one point in the 1920s and the 1930s, there was a push to create Florida as the new Hollywood. And in fact, there's an area near here called Dunedin, which was supposed to be the eastern version of the Hollywood idea. They did try to bring down folks like Fatty Arbuckle and some of the really famous silent screen actors to be in Florida to perform. So, Anyway, the house is beautiful. Uh, it has been restored, and the current homeowners have been there for 20 years. They were there when their family member died on the property, and most likely it does appear that this particular family member continues to actively reside on the property, perhaps with a few other spirits. Now, for this investigation, this particular recheck uh, done on January 23rd of 2010, we ended up with some uh, rather interesting results. We went through the guest room, and we didn't get a heck of a lot, but we attempted our EVPs. We moved into the living room, and in the living room area, we again attempted EVPs. This time, however, there was a, a very strong temperature drop, which is unique, and in fact was documented by our technician, Les, who actually watched his temperature meter go down about a tenth of a degree every couple of minutes. Now, that may not sound like a lot, but it actually added up to approximately two and a half to three degree drop. During this time period, we do have spirit sensitives, those that are able to sense the departed, and they kind of work in this subjective manner for our team. We also have equipment, and equipment at this point was not registering a lot of activity, very little EMF. We still have to go through our EVPs. I have a paranormal puck device, but it really had not registered much for most of the night. So essentially, the sensitives were kind of holding parts of the case for us. During this time period of cold air, they did note that they felt a male presence. 
a series of questions ensued in which uh, included things like, are you happy with the homeowners? And the entity apparently is. And I said, well, how do you feel about the dogs? And the interesting thing is that the spirit sensitive who answered is the one who had never been on the property. And we later confirmed with the homeowners that she had never met the dogs that they have. The dogs and the homeowners, again, were actually in the garage, which is kind of a converted garage. And she actually looked up and she said, well, the dogs are okay, no problems, except for one that kind of annoys them. And what is so fascinating about this is that, again, since day one, the main marker, which you'll hear from the homeowner's own mouths, is uh, Shelby, who is, again, one of their dogs. Shelby has always been able to sense the ghost. Shelby is, I, I was trying to see, since they had not seen the dogs, I was trying to see if they could tell me anything more about the particular dog that was annoying, and the only description was it had long hair, and if If you've ever seen a Sheltie, they tend to have long hair. To me, this was a point of interest. The spirit sensitive again, just to go over the facts, had never been to the house before, uh, had never read the reports, had not met the dogs. And indeed, even the way she answered the question, I asked, how does the entity feel about the dogs in plural? And what I found very interesting was the answer was fine, except one annoys it. Now, that's unusual. Because, in my opinion, I would think that if she were guessing, she would have said uh, they annoy him or fine and not made any exceptions. But to make the exception on this particular case, which is one of the ones that I find to be fairly rare, where out of a household of multiple dogs, and there have always been multiple dogs since we started these investigations, uh, there is only one who senses the entity with any regularity and is considered to be a marker of ghostly activity. So what we're going to do is we are going to take a little break right here, and when we come back, we will listen to the homeowner description of the dog and the ghost. We'll be right back. Now, time for something really scary. A word from our sponsors. Paranormal pets will reappear before you can say Bigfoot. Don't run away. Greetings, human. What planet am I on? Welcome to Pet Planet. Here's a copy of Pet Planet Magazine, Florida's most informative and fun pet resource magazine. It features heartwarming stories and informative articles from local and national pet experts. Excellent. Pet Planet Magazine offers Operation Planet Rescue, helping rescued pets find new homes. And it's available at 500 locations in South and Central Florida and 24-7 on the Internet at PetPlanetMagazine.com. If you're out and about with your pet, you may be featured in Paparazzi, Candid Pictures of You and Your Pet. For up-to-date pet-friendly events, activities, and pet-related services and products, Pet Planet Magazine is your final destination. I shall take this magazine home with me. Back to your home planet? No, to my condo in Boca. Pet Planet Magazine. Check them out at www.petplanetmagazine.com or 352-394-8578. It's out of this world. Hi. 
Hi, this is Marcy Davis and my service dog, Whistle, and we're your hosts of Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. Working Like Dogs is the show where you can learn everything you ever wanted to know about working animals or working dogs. Whether you're a member of a working dog team or you've just seen a working dog or animal out at the mall or the grocery store and you're curious about how these amazing animals work with their human partners, then Working Like Dogs is the show for you. Join us for the inside scoop at Working Like Dogs on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets. Let's Talk Pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Did you hear that? Our commercials have mysteriously disappeared. Paranormal Pets is back with our haunted host, our ghost host. And welcome back. At this point in time, as I've described, we're looking at a Spirits of St. Petersburg active case, a recheck case, and uh, we are up to the point in which the homeowners, who were very kind enough to record a segment with us for Paranormal Pets, are going to describe a little bit of their ghostly activity. We actually have a unique opportunity here. Uh, we are currently on a spirits investigation. We're currently wrapping the investigation up, and we're speaking with the homeowners uh, who have agreed to talk about their pets, their little dogs, who sense the entity. And so the homeowners are? Teresa Egner. And? Keith Egner. And uh, the dog of question is? Shelby. He's a Sheltie. Excellent. And what does he do? Shelby will sense uh, a spirit in the ceiling, or so to speak, and he will start barking um, ravishly, I guess is a good word, um, and tra- chase the spirit from one room to another, uh, looking up constantly. The, we own four dogs, two Aussies and two Shelties, and the female Sheltie, Shira, and the two Aussies, uh, Cleo and Bella, are barking at him to stop doing what he's doing. But what he does is he'll start looking up in the room, and we thought at first it was from cigarette smoke or from this surround sound, but it's not. It, he's totally involved with chasing whatever entity he's sensing because I feel he's in a sense protecting us and when he gets really carried away and barking us loudly we'll say go away go away leave him alone we don't want any more to do with this just leave him alone and all of a sudden Shelby will start bark- stop barking completely start barking so I believe the spirit's gone how old is Shelby? Because we've been here, this is our fourth or fifth visit now. Yeah, he's he's, not, he, well, he'll be four. He'll be four in February 14th. Valentine's baby. Oh, my he's goodness. a Valentine's baby. Oh, he's an Aquarius then. Yeah. That's wonderful. <laughs> and actually, he's, uh, Odyssey's birthday is, I think, the 12th. So oh, makes cool. them almost <laughs> siblings, right? Very good. And I know you were mentioning your video camera, which I think on our third visit, you had set up a camera to show us what Shelby was doing. And indeed, he was kind of uh, running in circles almost uh, in your media room, or most of the activity. Yeah, he'll run circles in the room, 
But it also go from room to room and back and forth. Yeah. Not just in that one room. But he's done it from, from the kitchen. That, and he's, he's done it from the, the media room to the fireplace room. He's done it from the kitchen to here, to here and back. Excellent. So it's not just running around one room. And what I find so interesting is that this time when we came through, uh, two of us have been here before, but I know I didn't read your case, and Mary, uh, I can hear her very clearly throughout the house, and, and nobody spoke about the dogs. They, uh, the spirits members here had not met your dogs at that point. And our sensitive, one of our sensitives, when we were asking questions, we were starting uh, to get activity in the living room, and one of the sensitives uh, answered a question, I asked uh, if the entity liked the homeowners, and the answer was yes, so that's a good sign. And then I said, well, what about the dogs? And the answer was yes, but uh, one of them bothered the, the entity. And, uh, and I said, well, which dog? And the answer was a long-haired dog. So, uh, and of course, Shelby is uh, a long-haired Sheltie. So I thought that was really, really interesting that that actually correlates, uh, particularly because these individuals have not been here and had not met the dogs, and that was what they picked up on. And the dogs are very interactive. And And then then they met Shelby, which was wonderful. So I thank you so much for actually sharing that little bit. Is there anything else that you want to add? No, you can see he's like the quietest one in the regular situation. Most shy. Yeah, you know, but when when he's doing that, he is... Nobody is near him because he'll he gets very aggressive and everything when he's chasing. It him. takes time to quiet him down yeah, to get yeah. the spirit. He gets, whatever he's barking at, it takes time to get. If the dogs get near him, he'll like nail him. And he's so aggressive. He's very aggressive then. That's the only time. But he doesn't draw any blood or anything no, no, like that. No, no, it's all the time. He's, he's like, to, leave me alone. I have to do this. I have to protect this. I have to do this. Otherwise, he's he's a sweet boy. Yeah. Was he the one that was up on your lap? No, that was, that was Shira. Okay, but very, very calm. And as I recall, Shelby's always been, you know, kind of a, a yeah. background. Yeah, or for cars. I don't even know where he is. Yes. He likes chasing cars when they go by. That's about uh, the front window. That's my thing. <laughs> very good. Well, this was excellent. And uh, I thank you so much for your time. Thank you. So let's take a listen. We actually have a unique opportunity here. Uh, We are currently on a spirits investigation. We're currently wrapping the investigation up, and we're speaking with the homeowners uh, who have agreed to talk about their pets, their little dogs, who sense the entity. And so the homeowners are? Teresa Agner. And? Keith Agner. And uh, the dog of question is? Shelby. He's a Sheltie. Excellent. And what does he do? Shelby will sense uh, a spirit in the ceiling, or so to speak, and he will start barking um, ravishly, I guess is a good word, um, and tra- chase the spirit from one room to another, uh, looking up constantly. The, we own four dogs, two Aussies and two Shelties, and the female Sheltie, Shira, and the two Aussies, uh, Cleo and Bella, are barking at him to stop doing what he's doing. But what he does is he'll start looking up in the room, and we thought at first it was from cigarette smoke or from this surround sound, but it's not. It, he's totally involved with chasing 
whatever entity he's sensing because I feel he's in a sense protecting us. And when he gets really carried away and barking us loudly, we'll say, go away, go away, leave him alone. We don't want any more to do with this. Just leave him alone and all of a sudden Shelby will start bark stop barking. Completely start barking so I believe the spirit's gone. How old is Shelby? Because we've been here, this is our fourth or fifth visit now. Yeah, he's he's not, he, well, he'll be four. He'll be four in February 14th. Valentine's baby. Oh my he's goodness. a Valentine's baby. Well, he's an Aquarius then. Yeah. That's wonderful. <laughs> and actually, he's, uh, Odyssey's birthday is, I think, the 12th. So oh, makes cool. them almost <laughs> siblings, right? Very good. And I know you were mentioning your video camera, which I think on our third visit, you had set up a camera to show us what Shelby was doing. And indeed, he was kind of uh, running in circles almost uh, in your media room, or most of the activity starts. Yeah, he'll run circles in the room, but it also go from room to room and back and forth. Yeah. Not just in that one room. But he's done it from the from kitchen. That, and he's, he's done it from the, the media room to the fireplace room. He's done it from the kitchen to here, to here and back. Excellent. So it's not just running around one room. And what I find so interesting is that this time when we came through, uh, two of us have been here before, but I know I didn't read your case, and Mary, uh, I can hear her very clearly throughout the house, and, and nobody spoke about the dogs. They, uh, the spirits members here had not met your dogs at that point. And our sensitive, one of our sensitives, when we were asking questions, we were starting uh, to get activity in the living room, and one of the sensitives uh, answered a question. Uh, I asked uh, if the entity liked the homeowners, and the answer was yes, so that's a good sign. And then I said, well, what about the dogs? And the answer was yes, but uh, one of them bothered the, the entity. And, uh, and I said, well, which dog? And the answer was a long-haired dog. So, uh, and of course, Shelby is... Uh, a long-haired Schulte. So I thought that was really, really interesting that that actually correlates, uh, particularly because these individuals have not been here and had not met the dogs, and that was what they picked up on. And the they dogs are very interactive. Met and that, then, then they met Shelby, which was wonderful. So I thank you so much for actually sharing that little bit. Is there anything else that you want to add? No, you can see he's like the quietest one in the regular situation. Most shy. Yeah, you know, but when he's when he's doing that, he is nobody is near him because he'll he gets very aggressive and everything when he's chasing. It him. takes time to quiet him down yeah, to get yeah. the spirit, he gets, whatever he's barking at. It takes time to get. The dogs get near him, he'll like nail him. And he's so aggressive. He's very aggressive. Then that's the only time. But he doesn't draw any blood or anything no, no, like still, that. No, no, still he's, time he's, he's like, leave me alone. Okay. I have to do this. I have to protect this. I have to do this. Otherwise, he's... He's a sweet boy. Yeah. Was he the one that was up on your lap? No, that was... That was Shira. Okay. But very, very calm. And as I recall, Shelby's always been, you know, kind of a, a yeah. background. Yeah, or for cars. I don't even know where he is. Yes. He likes chasing cars when they go by. That's about the, that's the front window. That's my thing. <laughs> very good. Well, this was excellent. And uh, I thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Concluding thoughts on this particular case. Uh, actually, there are a few. One thing that I find rather interesting is that out of a household of four dogs, there is one that senses ghosts. Now, I can see this in a couple of different ways. The one that really stands out to me is the idea that, like humans, animals are individuals. 
I think that pets in particular have the ability to be more individualistic than most animals, primarily because they don't have to fight for food, shelter, or survival, whereas wild animals or poorly cared for pets do. Now, if this is the case, then I think that pets have the ability to cultivate a greater deal of self-awareness and perhaps awareness of their human owners and the way the household works than a standard animal. And I think dogs in particular are, are just exceptional when it comes to awareness of their surroundings. I do find it unique as well that uh, in a room full of humans, the theory is that you can have, let's say, a hundred people in a room and have an entity manifest. And in that room, let's say 25 would feel uncomfortable. Let's say 10 might sense the entity. Another eight might hear it. You might end up with five who see it three who smell it, you know, and then the rest of us might not pick up anything whatsoever in this room. Well, why couldn't this also work for animals? In fact, that was a theory that I had proposed for the Paranormal Pugs page years ago, that pugs as an artificial breed lacked perhaps some of the understanding of their wilder counterparts, but due to their greater self-awareness, you know, they might have some psychic potential. So. I find this case in particular to be quite fascinating. If you all have thoughts or opinions or comments that you'd like to add, we'd love to hear them. We will continue to keep you updated on this case. And if you are interested, again, in learning more about the outcome of this long-running investigation, please do go to www.spiritsofstpetersburg.com. In addition to going to the website, you should click on enter. Once you go inside the site, click on residential investigations and look for the Fifth Street investigation. We do have EVPs and photographs from prior investigations that you are more than welcome to see. And as we conclude this particular episode of Paranormal Pets, I again remind you to support your animal rescue groups and to always, always cherish your pets. To me, they are a great joy, and I hope they are to you, too. Welcome to 2010, and we look forward to talking with you as this year progresses. Have a good one. Pet Life Radio presents Paranormal Pets, where you can always expect the unexpected. Each week we'll discuss all aspects of weird or spiritual animal encounters, ghosts, totems, psychic animals, animal souls, animal angels, and animals in religion, with a little cryptozoology thrown in. Step into the supernatural world of pets every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs>